If you enjoy and would love to support this podcast, please check us out on Patreon. We are www.patreon.com forward slash aaopera. Hello, hello, and welcome back to AA Opera Podcast. This is episode 57. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Obligatory <laughs> cheer after the name of the, the number of the episode. Every um, week without fail. <laughs> yeah. How was your week, Ashley? I'm so glad to be back here with you. How was your week? <laughs> yeah, my week was uh, was good. Uh, we've started to see a light at the end of the tunnel with the whole lockdown thing. So as you, I think you described it last week, cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's really given me a lift and the weather's changing. The spring has come in, um, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, it's been good to get outdoors this week. That's been the big change for me. Um, but what about you? Um, it's been a really hectic week, so I haven't really, like, haven't felt the, uh, change in scenery yet, except for the fact that I have daffodils all over my house, because I feel like that's I'd the... I'd just ob- like to say, I, I am looking at a very good aesthetic here. Obviously, you can't see. We're on Zoom, but, um, Abby's got... What, well, what's the name of that big plant next to you? This is Phil. He was a wedding present. <laughs> nice. Um, he is a Phyllis something or other it was wedding <laughs> yeah he's kind of the problem is he's overgrown from his moss pole now so i have to get him a new moss pole because he's just really happy here which is great makes him really happy plant mom but uh yeah and he also has lights around him so at night we turn him on and it's like very it's like a christmas tree but um not really and then i have some <laughs> basil and aloe and parsley on my windowsill and then i have uh a dead eucalyptus leaf yes, thingy, and then some daffodils. Daffodils, and then daffodils I have more are da- the best thing yeah. about spring. I, it's such a British thing, like, it's not, or maybe it's not a British thing, but, like, they, we didn't have them in Israel, so, like, it's so exciting here, like, that you get them, and they're also really not expensive. For, like, a pound, you get, like... No, no, they're, they're in Tesco down the street, and now that I've seen yours, I was thinking, I was thinking, shall I wait till March? But no. now I've seen yours, I've decided... <laughs> Um, brilliant but yeah no I, I've been really enjoying just the thought that maybe this is over soon like I am being cautiously optimistic because it's still a really long time till everything it's, it, it's far away but it seems like there's light at the end of the tunnel which is very exciting but also we've been really busy with a podcast which has been so exciting for me because I just I love yeah. our yes, yeah. I mean, it's we've said this all along. It's like the thing that's just kept us going. The fact that we could still do this. I think I would be really upset if we couldn't, if we had to stop on like episode thirty something, whatever we were at, and here we are today on fifty seven. So <laughs> good times, good times. <laughs> but on to this week's guest. We are joined by soprano Samantha Crawford. It was so great to chat to Samantha um, and really just get down to the nitty gritty when it comes to chats that need to be had, especially about, you know, um, parenthood in opera and how that all works. Um, It's just, she's a bit of a superwoman. (laughs) But without further ado, here's the episode. Well, hello, hello. Today we are here with Samantha Crawford. Samantha, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Would you like to just begin by introducing yourself to our listeners? 
Hello, I'm Samantha Crawford. I'm a soprano and I work in opera and concert and I'm based in the UK. Amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about your first experience of opera and your route into the industry? What was it that really set everything into course and like, was it what you expected? Hmm. My first, actually my first experience of opera was um, being in a children's chorus. I was having some singing lessons as a hobby. I love singing musicals. And um, my singing teacher at the time was running a uh, semi-pro opera company and said, oh, do you want to be in the children's chorus of Carmen? I think you could do it, you know, your voice is loud enough. <laughs> and I did it because we sung these productions in English and didn't really see how it was any different from sort of the plays and the musical theatre things I've been singing in. I just loved it, you know, being on stage. And, and then I did quite a lot of children's roles in operas like First Boy in Magic Flute, Shepherd Boy in Tosca, and my first actual sort of opera proper that I saw was um, Otello. I got taken to see it at the Sydney Opera House when I was 18, which was obviously yeah. quite a different experience from being a children's chorus. But yeah, um, had a big love of it ever since my teens, really. It just sort of drew me in that way from treading the boards, really, I think. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. I think, you know, rooted in it from from the start but I think a lot of singers kind yeah. of have that experience of musical theatre but you mentioned you know singing opera in English which you know I did quite a bit at university doing that and I think it's a yeah. great opener you know into definitely. opera um, definitely yeah fantastic well you now have a very exciting international career on the operatic and concert stages and what we want to do today is spark a specific conversation around managing motherhood and family life around a busy career as a freelance performer. Um, so to begin, would you like to share with us the situation you were in um, when motherhood came around for you? Sure. Um, I had finished the Guildhall School of Music and Drama opera course five years previously. Um, Matt and I, that's my husband, and we'd been married for 10 years and we were living in London. I'd freelanced that whole time um, since leaving college and, you know, worked at most of the UK festivals and then going on to the national companies and then was starting to do more work in Europe and Asia. And um, I have to say pregnancy wasn't planned, so <laughs> Matt and I were surprised um, and sort of took a few months to regroup. Uh, we're both self-employed, so I think the biggest thing for us was just getting our heads into that mindset that now we were going to have this very significant third dynamic between the two of us and basically just how we were going to manage all that extra plate spinning and um, because with both being self-employed you know there isn't the sick pay there isn't maternity mm, pay and yeah. we weren't protected in that respect so we really just had to sort of try and strategize a little bit obviously knowing that you can only plan so far and you actually don't control that much so that which we could think through and plan we tried to do that sit down have chats and then we knew there'd be a, obviously a large percentage that was just how it went and what kind of pregnancy I have what kind of baby mm. our daughter turned out to be etc etc so <laughs> yeah you mentioned spinning plates there um and that's come up on the podcast before just the general life of a self-employed um performer musician or just a self-employed person you you are thankfully used to kind of spinning plates and things like that so I guess um having that experience might have grounded you quite well for, for yeah that. I think being a singer there was a huge I'd say this to all my lovely singing friends out there um lots of who are pregnant currently or just had 
children at a similar stage to me saying that actually being a singer has been a huge, huge bonus um, because our whole life is one of sort of improvisation as in we pack, we go to a gig and then if you've left a piece of makeup or um, it's very hard to find anywhere to get a hot drink or <laughs> I don't know, just like a myriad of things that we deal with because we don't know the circumstances we're going into all the time. I think it just makes you really prepared, honestly, being able to pack very compactly. Um, you know, like you're, We have a great imagination. That's been a brilliant thing. You can't travel with a cohort of toys everywhere you go and <laughs> stuff like that on the practical side, but you've got the gift of having gone, had drama lessons and all this sort of thing. So That's there's right. all sorts of things that being a singer kind of, yeah, massively sets you up uh, in a good way for parenthood, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. And you're also, so your unplanned surprise pregnancy journey. Um, yes because also opera singers everything is like years in advance is planned like you might have gotten a contract like years in advance yeah. what was a practical yeah. level like because you also um kept working until four weeks before you gave birth yeah, which is incredible that was wow um, really that that's definitely combinational i think important thing to say about this type of chat is my what i'm sharing is they're my lived experiences but i also would always say like you need to apply the um <clears throat> the, like the timeless application of the the truth of it not um not just copy it verbatim because everybody's body everybody's um support network and everybody's experience of birth and pregnancy is different but i was able to work four weeks up until my due date and i was due to do it both times so um in april 2020 we had our second daughter um and i had those you know last gigs cancelled because of the pandemic but i would say that the it was, a, it was a combination of things. So I, on the practical physical level, I made a conscious decision as much as possible to really take care of myself. I know that as singers, we are more in touch with ourselves. That's another great thing, by the way, we actually like observe our bodies and we kind of know what's going on and we're really attuned to those things. So it's really helpful when you're um, pregnant, but I just didn't want, um, I didn't want it to feel like a takeover really, which in some ways it sort of is. Um, it's hard work growing another whole person inside you <laughs> and bit, yeah. <laughs> everything I could do to everything I could do to mitigate the things like heartburn, sore back, um, just the, the very normal things that you deal with, the nausea. Um, I, I just tried to, I slightly modified my diet to sort of help that, food choices, and then I made a conscious effort to, even though it was hard work and I obviously would have preferred to lie down or just sit in a bath, so I did do those things too. Um, I consciously like changed my exercise to swimming because there's lots of research that shows it's really helpful um, in pregnancy because you know I, running and things did not appeal, and uh, <laughs> a lot of yoga because that mindfulness and taking care of your well-being was something I wanted to address too. Most singers I know, I and mean, you might be completely different, but they're they're like anxious people that like to know what's happening and control things quite a lot. Yep. So. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about, but that sounds um, not familiar at all. No, not even no, no, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I took good care of my mental health because I'm all too aware that um, anxieties and things can creep in. And as we don't know what we're always going to encounter with our work, I really wanted to make sure that when I turned up um, at the concert hall at the Opera House in the rehearsal room, that I didn't, that the, the pregnancy and dealing with all of those um, 
changes in my body wasn't at the forefront of my mind. Of course, your mind is partly using it, but um, we are able to step into a rehearsal space and a performance space and sort of leave whatever is going on in life at the door as such, because that's what we do. We're professionals. And I just wanted to take time to kind of ground myself and give myself that calming environment. So when I walked in, I felt like, yeah, I feel great physically. I've stretched, my muscles are working, you know, there might be a few twinges, but um, it's also just a joy to be doing both things to think like, wow, you know, there's a person growing in me, but I'm also out at my job doing what I love. And um, that's really fantastic. And also if you feel a little nervous going into a, a new work environment, I mean, nothing's an icebreaker like <laughs> walking in with a bump and um, people all with like, they were kind and chatted to me a lot. So all those things made it a really positive experience. That's really good to hear actually. Yeah, cause I mean, that was, I mean, if we say honestly, like there is um, in some areas, there is stigma around it. You know, we've heard it ourselves from, you know, not to name names, but we've, we've heard it from our own educators that it's not ideal. Um, and I think it's really empowering to speak to someone like yourself and say, hey, look, <laughs> I bossed this. This is fine, you know. Um, but And we'll talk more a bit later on about how, um, you know, working with your opera companies, how that worked out and everything. Um, did you do any auditioning whilst you were um, pregnant? Yeah, um, pretty much more or less the whole time throughout both pregnancies around the contracts and things and I planned them quite carefully I planned them more carefully in my second pregnancy because then I already had a one and a bit year old so our daughters are pretty close together there's only 20 months between them so mm. once I had a 10 month old daughter I was already pregnant again and like dealing with <laughs> the whole of the pregnancy cycle again so um I learned lots from doing it the first time around I made I don't know if they're even mistakes, but just things that I thought this time I can do that better or it was unnecessary to push myself as much or I could have waited two extra months. Honestly, the upper companies, you just need to rely, <clears throat> you just need to trust yourself a bit that actually you, you you deliver. If the companies like you and they're prepared to offer you an audition, for sure they would be prepared to offer you an audition in five months time if you just wrote to them mm. and explained your circumstances. I never had anyone be Fortunately, it's not it's not true of everyone, but I never had anyone be rude or standoffish or say they wouldn't hear me or that I just missed my chance and what a shame or I'd somehow wasted their time. There was never any of that dialogue around um, altering auditions. Um, I did go and do a few when I was in my third trimester, which some people I think would say you don't you don't have to um but for me but for me I didn't feel great in my first so I just really didn't want to then because I you can't obviously see anything if in case you don't know like nothing really shows up into four or five months and by then you're already mm -hmm. off and out of when you feel you're most sick not always but um I really didn't want to stand in front of a panel looking completely like myself although pregnant feeling terrible <laughs> and have them judge that I think there's just no need and um, we we feel stressed about the time of things and oh, i must always be legitimately proving my you know um my craft and things but that's just not true you can just step back and trust what you've done before and trust that people know you and that they're human and kind but there's too, also something so. about that yeah. when you walk into an audition room in the best of conditions like feeling your best feeling great you still there's that um nervousness or something or that you don't feel great you're being judged like doing that in your first trimester must be like 
and now I just want to throw up and I just like and it's not because of this it's like it's so much extra stuff that you have to think about so it is thing it is good to know that you can say I'm sorry I'm really ill can I um without explaining the situation yeah. but just Absolutely. saying is it possible yeah um I just did it on a like applying common sense basis. So if, a, if I knew a company quite well and I had relationship with the people that I was emailing, I might give a bit of personal information or say that it was pregnancy. I think I might have done that a couple of times, but for, for the most part, it's sort of not relevant to the reason that you're postponing your audition. Singers are often sick or have all sorts of extenuating circumstances. And um, you can just ask for it to be rescheduled um you you asked about how i physically managed up to four weeks before which i touched on a bit but um i know you also wanted to me to talk a bit about how emotionally um yeah i journeyed through that i have to say that at the beginning of the first pregnancy so like first time parents um it was a bit of a roller coaster because i had very mixed feelings grounding everything there was a deep joy within me that we had been able to get on the path to parenthood and I had so many dear friends that were had very mixed experiences and um you know being being honest with me about their struggles and miscarriages and all that sort of thing so I did have a really deep joy but on on top of that I mean I day to day was feeling you know vulnerable like you mentioned about um auditions and I felt extremely excited then I would feel lonely then I would feel really impatient and I was amazed also at my ever-changing body that was uh, an incredible thing again because singers are sort of so we observe ourselves so much we think about our posture we uh, women especially because yeah. we're the pregnant ones like <laughs> thinking about breath <laughs> and all of that stuff was amazing just thinking wow I can't believe that I can stand here and sing with like a full Wagnerian orchestra and <laughs> do my craft and I've got like a seven month old baby in me but that is the, the trick to that I'd say is probably um little and often if you just I plan to keep singing because I thought it would be easier than having big gaps because as we now know from like a pandemic with gaps, it, you've got to keep yeah. sort of match fit. So um, it was easier for me to keep singing and then give myself a sort of final after four weeks, the last four weeks, it would have just been a sort for me, like almost impossible to sing anyway. <laughs> um, I had pregnancies that sat quite high and that's not something you can really control, but it just means that I didn't have, pressure on my bladder which was great but it meant my lungs felt very squeezed in the last mm. four weeks that's something so, i never thought um, about how like the different placement of your child could really affect yeah, your yeah. your general um singing capabilities or just your general like going to yeah bathroom. amazing <laughs> well now you have two wonderful children by your side and as we did mention your career is international and so we wanted to ask what's the logistics of that and kind of do they come with you do they stay and how do you manage that um the sh very short answer is it depends on the job <laughs> um expanding <laughs> on that so I, I mean there's no hard and fast rule generally matt and i are trying to keep our family unit together as much of the time as is realistic but knowing that um you have to make your peace once you've made your decision don't just keep second guessing it it is a bit of a minefield with the amount of scheduling and things to do to take care of the children as well but if you if you love your job enough and you want to keep being invited back you've just got to try and not make it a barrier um you know it it is it is not the 
the funnest thing looking through lots of rehearsal timetables and things some of the practical things we did was um ask the companies as far in advance for as much of the information that they could give um certainly swapra and um, supporting women and parents in opera have done loads of work around this and um, i highly recommend that you check them out if you mm. don't already know their work they've been having a lot of chats with uk companies um on this to help parents work schedules so that it's not always weekly um on top of that we I would write to the opera house and ask if they had any recommended nannies because there'll often be people that are prepared to like nanny um the people that work in the theatres children knowing the type of times and the rhythms of those timetables that was really helpful I got two excellent nannies through those recommendations who often had like other jobs one of them was a language teacher and one of them was a, a tour guide as well but that meant they could fit around my schedule which was fantastic um you can't always, you cannot carry all the baby equipment with you, which you don't think about until you try and take the show on the road. Um, but you just- And the toys, as you mentioned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with all the stuff like high chairs, car seats, just some paraphernalia. Um, that I found these, so I joined a few private Facebook pages, one called Muso Mums, I think another one called Parents and Performance. And there's a lot of helpful chat there, just targeted at those working in performing arts and I, got information from those groups on things like the fact that you can hire baby equipment through companies there and they deliver it to you and take it away. Who knew? But I, you know, I found out because I just knew that that was going to be part of our life. So, um, you know, we had just had to budget in for those things and, um, understand that for the first few years, of course, your, your costs are a bit higher. So you've got to just kind of factor that when you take the jobs and then on a practical level with when I was not with, our daughter um and we had to be separate i record i sung into the phone and recorded on video 10 of her favorite nursery rhymes with my little face being Aww. massively animated after rehearsals um oh. and then that meant matt could play them to her every bedtime unfortunately i kept having my like wig and makeup call right on top of her like bath bedtime routine and i couldn't i was just stuck you know that's that's the nature yeah. of the beast where a bit like passing the ships in the night so the nights it was a show um she thought it was me anyway <laughs> um so i mean like that i was there live but he would play these lullabies to her um down the phone and then we would obviously facetime every morning which was really tiring for me because i had done a show to very late the night before and then was waking up to yeah. chat with her but it's fine. You do make it work. And the other probably biggest tip I'd say about when you're going abroad is look up the cast list that you're working with. You're, you're, you're really likely to have at least one, even if they're not a mate, then maybe a mate of a mate or a colleague or, you know, someone you met at a drinks party after a show and just try and see like if anyone's parents on that list and then just reach out to them before you go out. Um, yeah, I wrote to any friends that I knew whenever I was doing a gig just for practical things like could we do some play dates or hmm. um you know if I ever had an emergency would it be okay to for you to take you know my daughter if I had to rush to the hospital or just just something to yeah. know that you've got an extension of a support network um, and um I think also just going in with a plan and being really positive about it so you're not giving um you're just you're just turning up your most professional package self and also it just means your mind doesn't have to be attributing its energies to that stuff because you've taken the time to organize it so when you turn up to rehearsals it's all about the music it's all about the direction it's all about engaging with those colleagues and bringing that show to life because you don't 
I don't want those worlds to overlap. And I found it really freeing every time I stepped into the rehearsal room, I just think, that's fine. We vetted that nanny. Like I'm here to do my job and I want to, and I also love my job. And now that I'm a parent, I appreciate even more like the privilege yeah. of stepping into that room and I can't wait. And I want to also make them really proud. I want to be able to show them. Of course they can't understand that one years old, what the significance of what I'm doing or come and see the show. But I would be thrilled to show them later. And I know one of the productions that I did that was at um, Teatro Real was filmed for DVD and TV. So I'll even be able to, you know, show that in the future, which is great. So a bit of extra planning and I would say building support network and reaching out, um, those things can really help you with um, taking it internationally. So we were talking about um, support networks and you keep mentioning support networks and how important they are. And I was wondering how do you gain that support network and what does that support network mean in the industry in general? At the start of my first pregnancy, I felt like I've shared fairly overwhelmed and just was grappling with so many questions really about how I was going to manage the practical side, what was what physically was I undertaking, how would I rebuild my voice, you know, the general sort of anxieties that we have anyway, but plus dealing, you know, thinking about um, doing it with a little baby. And I have to say that I am someone who, my natural inclination is to reach out, not to um, go into myself and just panic and not, and go silent. I'm not one of the like friends that go silent <laughs> on people. I'm the one that's asked more questions. So I reached out um, actually to three of my friends that had co-founded Swapra and because it just so happened that my pregnancy was starting as their charity was being set up and I knew that they wanted to support parents and performance and I just thought I've got to have some coffees I've got to be able to ask all of the detailed questions really specific to opera singers and even more specifically a couple of them to sopranos just because I want to ask about repertoire and auditions and all sorts of things rebuilding the the voice and um they were really helpful so that was sort of my first port of call and and from that i sort of just really realized that pro well problem shares the problem halved um just that in talking it was just the ability to voice some of those things i think i would have found out all that information anyway i think i would have learned to trust all my instincts anyway um Fortunately, your pregnancy does only happen one day at a time. Your baby only grows one day at a time. There's no point in just jumping to the to the finish line, whatever you perceive that may be, and then panicking, looking back and thinking, I can't possibly make it because we only live in the present each day and each moment. And they really helped me understand that. I also wanted to speak to more mature, older mums who had older children and ask them, like, how did they do more of an arc? of that trajectory because I thought that would be an important voice to balance and support network. And then I um, reached out, you can join antenatal classes. I thought I need a grounded, like who's right on my doorstep because there's all very well being wherever you are for six to eight weeks on a contract and doing the things I mentioned about practically when you're taking the show on the road. But in the other times when you're at home, you're I don't have time to go out traveling lots. I need an environment that's supporting me right where I am. And at that time we were living in East London. So we joined antenatal classes and amazingly we luckily lucked out with our group. I've got fantastic eight other mums and we're in a WhatsApp group. And we shared like all of our tips, all of our trip ups, all of our triumphs, all of our hilarious things that 
you know, we just want to have each other's back. And that really, really helped. And then for my other friends who weren't either from antenatal or uh, at work, I um, just arranged like proper FaceTimes and, and Skypes, anything I could do to make sure that I was chatting with them if I was abroad and if not, then meet up and just share the journey with them. Um, people were incredibly generous. Once we started to say we're pregnant, we feel a bit overwhelmed and also the cost of it feels uh, hard to even budget for. Like, how do you know how much you'll need? Um, so many people came forward and gave us equipment. Again, I, I did ask, I was, I like looked at the list of things that all parents have to, you know, buy. And I just thought, I don't need all of this to be new and I'm perfectly happy to have, you know, some of it secondhand and passed on from friends. Um, lots of the stuff to do with tiny babies you use in such a short amount of time anyway that it's barely even used mm-hmm. um it's like new when you get it so all these things help build that support network and it's like putting tent pegs into the ground so that if the, metaphorically speaking the wind blows and everything's a bit insane or you're a bit sleep deprived mm-hmm. or maybe your child's ill or you're ill um, or you just do some performances where you're feeling a bit vulnerable and you just of being really hard on yourself then you have all these other things grounding you and you have all these places to go um uh, my midwives were good I chatted with them when I wanted like specific sort of nutritional advice I had a bit of lightheadedness because my iron was low which is like fairly common and um because I'm vegetarian I just needed to like tweak my diet and I didn't realize that if you drink caffeine when you're eating your um, iron rich foods, it can block the absorption. So all these kinds of things, because I was trying to build a support network, I felt more and more able to um, do my best and deliver professionally at the level that I wanted to um, and in, and enjoy it. You know, I really wanted to enjoy it, not just be overwhelmed with um, problem solving. Amazing. What an answer. I've been just soaking, soaking all that up. Yeah, you covered so much there. Thank you for sharing all of that. So from a health side of things, um, have you got any advice for staying in good physical and good vocal health? I know you're, you're quite into this and you mentioned yoga a bit earlier on, but anything uh, that you'd like to share in that area? Yeah, sure. And um, when I was, I'd, I'll talk a little bit about when I was pregnant, staying in the best um, physical and vocal health then. And then it was like a little bit different, obviously after birth, you're on a different type of Uh, physical needs you have different physical needs then um yeah when I was pregnant um I mentioned that my back was sore like a lot of people um but you could have anything that was kind of a bit sore achy I would say um it's different babies different bodies but I brought you I brought a small little kind of travel kit that went with me everywhere that meant it was really compact and it could basically remedy most stuff when I was on the road. Um, I had a spike ball, those little spike massage balls, one that was the slightly larger one um, and uh, one of the smaller ones because you can put them into your like hip sockets or you can put your, you can rest your feet on them and you rotate the ankle around them. I have um, a dancer friend that recommended them to me and you can obviously, you can put them against a a wall and then gently roll your back up and down them applying as much pressure as you do or don't want um, and it helps just with blood circulation and it helps obviously press on those um muscular knots but not too hard you know you'll know when it's mm-hmm. too much uh, i kept one of those physio bands that's like a it's called a physio band clingy piece of material you often use it for breathing exercises um i took that with me because 
I wanted to make sure I was really breathing to my deepest possible level the whole way through pregnancy. And like I said, your lungs are getting more squashed as time goes by, no matter where your baby sits. So it would really help me engage at the deepest level with my core and my pelvic floor when I was singing and remind me to just open everything fully up. Um, and especially I was feeling a little bit nauseous, a little bit tired, just to, every, enough just to make my whole demeanor sort of um, be a little hunched and less than like 100% alignment and free and letting the airflow in the way that we need to. So it just reminded me to stand up, out, you know, lengthen that neck, have the spine aligned and calm yourself and think and, and breathe properly before you before you sing, shake off all those shake off all those other unhelpful thoughts. Um, what else did I do? Oh, I packed <laughs> because of the the nausea. You're both like hungry all the time, but you never want a full meal or that was my experience. So I had to take practical small snacks with me everywhere for nutrition, uh, really boring stuff, to be honest. I had lots of crackers and oat cakes because they've got a bit more calories in them and nuts um an occasional bit of fruit if it wouldn't get you know sort of smushed at the bottom of my <laughs> bag but these are all healthy snacks that will give you a little bit more energy in rehearsals because once we came to lunch break i didn't want to have the massive canteen meal that you can have um, i couldn't really fit it in but then within two hours i'd be hungry again and um i didn't want my blood sugar just dropping low because just don't don't feel great um so that was really important, little and often. Um, didn't love caffeine, didn't make me feel great, so tended to avoid that. And I tried to cook everything in advance so that if I was already tired or exhausted or I had already dropped a lot of energy, that it wasn't then that I had to start preparing the meal. I know that's just practical sense and probably mm -hmm. those of you that are organized do that all anyway, but I was even more vigilant about it, I think, because I didn't have much margin for error. Yeah. Once I began to feel, um, tired out it was a quicker drop off of energy than I'd ever experienced just mm. before I'd ever been pregnant I have a question yeah what about the actual did you feel any changes in your voice itself through from getting pregnant till after having a baby and then like once again when getting pregnant was there a difference that your voice grew or shrunk or did you have to like retrain your mindset to keep it in the same position that you had it before or did it just keep going um for the most part in the pregnancy i felt like it just kept going and in the third trimester when the baby is much bigger and obviously sitting um like weighing more heavily i found it amazing because i had um it just sort of did a lot of that deep support work and it reminded me to engage my pelvic floor a lot so when i was going for my top notes and things i found that i could access my piano and spin notes out a lot more easily because it was sort of like this counterweight um giving this freedom and there was something very like grounding and holistic for me about being pregnant and just calming all the singer crazy that we all deal with <laughs> where I just knew my world was opening up and I was going to be stepping into this new role and that also did something I think to just free everything up and I just felt that much more happy and calm in the workplace so I think probably being pregnant maybe not physically did that part but the the psychological part of it definitely I think actually made my voice better during that time um at the towards the very very end because of everything being squashed it wasn't that pleasant singing high I had a Verdi Requiem to do four weeks before <laughs> 
my second daughter was born mm. and thinking about the liver I'm here <laughs> and practicing it I was like oh brother um I uh, yeah you know I worked really hard and I had it prepared but I was just great it basically felt more squeezed at the top right at the right at the very end but for the majority of the pregnancy I felt good and then vocal change throughout I think overall probably my voice is kind of warmed um I needed to take time after the birth to strengthen my core again I wouldn't say anything fundamentally at that point changed about my voice other than just pure sleep deprivation is enough to make every anyone's voice sound a little less than tip top so anytime I had the opportunity to practice and rehearse for things before I was returning to work pretty quickly like eight eight weeks after I gave birth I performed was performing again I just tried to sleep because I knew that would do a lot of the sort of healing and uh, <laughs> making me feel whole. Something I learned the first time from pregnancy that I changed for the second to rebuild my voice better and um, do better by my body really was to give myself bigger portion sizes. I didn't quite realize that bre breastfeeding does require quite a few extra calories and I hadn't really accounted for the fact that I was just constantly moving um, doing things for the it was just such a busy time of life I realized I hadn't really clocked I never was sitting down even though I wasn't going to the gym 24 7 and I just the weight sort of was beginning to fall off me and I was absolutely not trying to change shape um I I should have probably eaten more a bit more protein um I could have you know every time I had one egg I should have had two for example <laughs> just simple things like that um yeah, so then that would have helped me. I would have more quickly been able to rebuild my core strength, I think. I carried on with the yoga. I did, you know, prenatal, then I did postnatal. Then three weeks after I, the birth, I started swimming again. And all those things helped. But I think some of the time, instead of maybe taking the exercise, I should have just had a sleep. Um, but I also found it a bit <laughs> restrictive and, like, annoying and controlling to always just be like, now go to bed every time I had... <laughs> a moment you know to myself to sort of make my own decisions that weren't already being decided for me by the routine of the baby um amazing though she was just i yeah i sometimes i just wanted to exercise it felt nice to go out and do something for myself so that was a little slower and like i said by the time she was 10 months old i probably was just about then like back to f proper strength and then i started my second pregnancy so now my second daughter is nine months old and I would say like, it feels great because I feel like um, back back to myself with that full strength. And I worked harder the sec after the second pregnancy to consistently do core exercises, breathing exercises, um, and I protected my sleep more. I think obviously doing all that in lockdown meant it was different. It was a very much different thing but because of lockdown I also had to be more strongly motivated to get to the piano to stand there to be disciplined to do the right stretches to properly look at the notation to think about things in the musical phrase and not just um not just make it be a chore of like going through notes because I had to I wanted to enjoy that time and um it feels great because then when I went to have my lessons and things it was not this huge uphill journey I was like yeah I've been trying to sing every day. I've been breathing and it's not been loads. Um, and sometimes it obviously couldn't always be every day. It was 20 minutes here and there. If it was just vo just vocalizing and doing exercises, that's okay. And if I had a bit 
more time i'd make sure i sung two of my favorite songs i, I was listening to um brindley sherrett's podcast and I definitely agree with his sentiment of sing something you love why you know force yourself especially in this time or after you've had a newborn or what for, for whatever reason you're not you don't have to learn a new role immediately or brush up on an old one and just sing something you love too it's, it feels good and it releases those endorphins so make that journey back to feeling your best and enjoyable one definitely um and be kind to yourself uh, another physical practical thing is i invested in prenatal massage it's down to everyone's body and budget but for me it was absolutely worth it um i had lots of aches and pains and she this woman just made me feel much better each time and it would force me to always have you know 50 minutes of complete stillness and for that it was probably worth it alone because she just you know just took every other stimulus away and um yeah just really helped and i had i had two really good birth experiences which i think helped if um if things had been if things had been harder recovery wise, then I think I would have had quite a different journey going back to work, but I felt really positive about it. And I managed to have um, like unassisted natural births. So I was like up and walking about the next day and um, that was definitely a, a huge help and good for my mental well-being as well. But everybody's journey is different in that respect. I can highly recommend something to promote if you're interested in that kind of path and um, something called spinning babies amazing <laughs> the name's a bit strange but <laughs> it's all about it's all about it's in line with the singer thing um it's all about keeping your body like really open and strong um, and flexible because your body is created it is able to give birth like it has been created to do that it's not like will it won't it kind of thing no it's been made to do it so you can do things to help that and um, yeah, you can just Google it, spinning babies, but it's these series of exercises and strength things. And it's quite empowering, you know, some of them are in like goddess pose. So you're like, I am woman, yes. <laughs> which is always good. Yeah, take up <laughs> space, you've got this. <laughs> yeah, that's what Yeah, I mean. exactly. A bit of that, a bit of that, and you need it, you need it. It's been great to really talk about what it is to juggle family and performance, but what has been the biggest challenge and the biggest joy of having children and in this career? Mm. biggest biggest challenge is probably um <laughs> mum guilt i don't know if you've heard this phrase bandied around but the there's kind of never a time when everything is done like there are never all the jobs finished and i know that as singers we un we understand that anyway because that is the nature of the beast we've never finished fully learning something we are always obviously it is our choice to know when to clock off um, so probably the biggest challenge I'd say is having to be even more disciplined in that because not only do I have that with my professional environment where I'm thinking about roles and performances and booking tickets and all of that that goes with work but then the second I step away from that it's not into then a respite space it's into a parenting space or also a wife space because Matt's allowed <laughs> to you know have a look into and a friend and all, and a daughter and all the other things that I am but um I again with the first with our first daughter I don't think I got that completely right and I was like I don't want to repeat some of those scenarios again so I found a better balance this time um I'd say that if you're 
friends are great and understand your circumstance. They'll keep reaching out when it's a bit hard and you're a bit overwhelmed and suddenly three weeks have gone by and you didn't initiate, you know, someone that you usually are very good at catching up with and that sort of thing. Um, be honest with people and then just be good at protecting yourself. You don't have to answer that phone call. You don't have to have your email notifications on or respond to DMs. I'm because a lot of the platforms that we will use for social media if you like if I go into messages sometimes once it's read it's then hard to find and obviously I've got about nine of them pinging around on my phone I would just let the numbers go up until I had apportioned myself a bit of time in the diary and I was like I have 45 minutes I'm going to go into all the different apps and apply to a load of these because then I've looked at them and then not have to keep remembering that they were there and just respond treating it like a work thing really which it's just the way it had to be for us because of both being freelance and um, we work really hard to put our, both our daughters in sleep routines, which meant that we always knew each night at 7 p.m. they'd be asleep and they wouldn't wake up to 7 a.m. So that really, really helped us. And it meant it gave me more of a chance of protecting some time for myself because the hardest thing is uh, switching off and giving yourself some time. I got to the point where I was like having to justify it sometimes mm -hmm. where really the reason is because otherwise I would go insane. Yeah. <laughs> what has been the best part though? Best part is that I had no idea that the process of having a baby is the process of falling in love again. Um, I've been married for 10 years, or was there now 13. Um, and obviously falling in love was amazing, but that was a while ago and it's a different type of love with my, with Matt now. and. Um, just it was it's just amazing to like every day wake up and be like oh we we're learning about each other we don't fully know each other yet this is so amazing and uh, all the things you're doing are endearing yourself to me and like well most of them <laughs> not the middle of the night wake ups but just it is amazing to fall in love again and have such that that well of um joy open up in you and all that laughter and that like deep satisfaction, um, which people obviously explained to me before I became a parent, um, mm. but I found it hard to visualize for myself. Like obviously I can see children are a blessing, but it was totally different and a brilliant part of, the most brilliant part of becoming a parent, just feeling your heart fill up with so much love for these little people that you didn't mm. even know were gonna be part of your life. Um, and it, it keeps going you know um that doesn't end so that is definitely the most rewarding part that's beautiful <laughs> that's really lovely um <laughs> thank you for sharing that um and just as we as we start to round off have you got if you had to give a key piece of advice um to existing mothers or mums to be um as we kind of round off what what would that be the most important piece of advice I could give is probably you're not alone. So reach out, do not be afraid to be honest with people about what's going on. Um, if, yeah, you can be connected, but you can still feel alone. So make sure you're not lonely, speak out, reach out and um, be really pre present with your kids. When you have that time with them, it's, it's just for them and when you're at work it's just for work try try and make that distinction because it's a total 
you'll rob yourself of the joy of being with them if you're thinking about work and you'll be pissed off and stressed and not delivering at the best level that you can which you don't want to do because we love our craft and we've worked really hard to get in that room and mm. um, you don't want to be thinking about children things then so those are well that was two pieces sorry no that's that's right. great i think you know and everything you've talked about today and it really stresses that and gives advice on how to achieve that so thank you but now about your career hopefully this world is coming back to normal and um Please. fingers <laughs> snap whatever it is just hopefully it's coming back to normal do you have any exciting plans coming up um any big project any projects you're working on? i do i'm really looking forward to some things that i'll be performing this summer lana bode and I have commissioned a new song cycle from British composer Charlotte Bray on Women at Work. Um, and part of that programme that we're performing includes new arrangements of Judith Weir's songs from Woman Life Song, um, which Judith is writing new arrangements for for us. I'm really looking forward to. And that will be a live streamed concert and obviously hoping for confirmation of the live performances going ahead too. And then waiting to hear, like most of my friends, whether their next role that I was um, booked to sing will be going ahead, which is Elizabeth in Tannhäuser. So hoping that all goes ahead because I cannot wait to sing that music. Oh, That's amazing. wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and we, de- we definitely will keep our eyes open for that. Um, where is it that people can um, find you uh, online to reach out or just follow your exciting career? Um, you you can reach me most of the usual ways. You could DM me on Instagram. That's at Samantha Crawford Music, all one word. Or on Twitter, it's S underscore H underscore Crawford. Um, or I've got a Facebook page, you, um, which is just Samantha Crawford Soprano. You can message me on any of those. And I'm more than happy to answer questions or um, be a listening ear because I think that being uh, informed is to be empowered. Incredible. Love that. I truly, truly, truly agree with that. To be informed is to be empowered. That's amazing. That's going on the court board, isn't it? Yeah, that is going on the court. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us, Samantha. And this week's question to bounce off of Samantha's interview, we asked you, who's your favorite mother character in opera? Now, I have a couple, as always, I have a couple, but actually, what's your first one? What's yours? I think you know exactly what I'm going to say, and technically she's not like the mother, but the governess in Turn of the Screw is, I think, just very, very interesting. Like Because it's she goes on a bit of a journey, obviously she's the governess to these two children, and throughout the opera, it's not that she's just this perfect mother figure throughout in fact the opposite and it's kind of this the the growth that she has I just really enjoy that character so much if you've listened to other episodes she's come up a lot (laughs) so yeah um governess and ten of the screw for me uh but what about you um Britain again and I'm going to say Mrs Herring not because she's like (laughs) the positive mother that you think but I think she's just she really really cares about her son and mm-hmm. she's very overprotective, but I think she's just a really fun character to like follow along and 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 watch her character unfold. 
She's a good character, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of AA Opera and big, big thanks to Samantha for joining us for the interview. Yes, and if you would like to check out Samantha, check her out all over Instagram and Twitter. She is such a warm heart and is so open to answer any of your questions. And if you would like, you can also follow us on Instagram and all those social medias. We are AA Opera Pod everywhere. And don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast. Five stars, please. That would really help us out. And if you really love the podcast, don't forget to check out our Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash AA Opera. And lastly, thank you so much to Prime Phonic for sponsoring this episode and the rest of season four. With that, have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye.